Welcome to the How to Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I'm honored and blessed to have Dr. Wayne Dysinger. Thank you for your time. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. Yes, um, I'm beyond honored to have you as someone has referred to you as the godfather of lifestyle medicine, <laughs> which I am just, I'm, I, you know, when I read about people as I go and investigate who I'm interviewing, I'm just so impressed with where you've done for this field and for people like me who are stepping into it, you know, years later and, you know, looking for guidance in, you know, just talking to you a little bit before the podcast started, I'm already getting, getting so many ideas in my head. So thank you for that. But so I don't even know where to begin just to let people know. I mean, you're a past president at ACLM, you're a medical director of the Lifestyle Medicine Institute, medical director of CHIP programs. You have your own uh, different type of practice of lifestyle medicine solutions. There's so much here. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about just your, uh, your interest in medicine and kind of where that started and where that led you to where you are now? No, that's a big question. So in, when I started medical school, I was always interested in preventive medicine and trying to prevent disease um, and realized that uh, the best way to do that would probably be to combine a family medicine and preventive medicine training. So I, I did that. I did a family medicine residency and then did a preventive medicine residency. And then um, probably in the neighborhood of 15 years ago, um, I started really getting interested in this concept of lifestyle medicine, the idea that, that, you know, natural uh, treatments could actually be a significant component of what we do as doctors. So I, I was doing that primarily in academic settings. I was, I had gotten into teaching was, was primarily teaching residents and medical students uh, around preventive medicine uh, and primary care. Um, and then more and more around lifestyle medicine. So, uh, now did you coin the term lifestyle medicine? Where did that come from? Where did that evolve from? Cause when I mention lifestyle medicine to other physicians, many of them have yet to even hear about there is such a practice. Where did that exactly come from? I did not coin that term. Um, actually Jim Rippey, uh, who's written textbooks on lifestyle medicine he claims he coined that term. I'm not sure if he did. I, I think it might have been there even before him. But he wrote a text called Lifestyle Medicine back in the early 2000s, so, so 15 or so 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and then John Kelly, who started the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, uh, started you know, using that term in, in association with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. In the early days, um, there's a lot of people that didn't like that term, uh, but I think it's grown and, and developed now enough that uh, it's recognized and, and it's becoming more of an accepted term. Uh, so right now, you you said you had came, you went to Atlanta, you had been to Dartmouth and helped start a residency program, and you came back to Loma Linda. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Because as I was doing research about you and I was reading, I was like, wow, so my daughters are for, you know, a first year medical student, I was like, I am going to be sending her some links <laughs> and maybe encouraging her to consider something like that program. Um, can you tell us about what that is exactly? Sure. Well, there's, there's a variety of programs at Loma Linda, but I, I'm guessing you're referring to one that's a family and preventive medicine residency. Right. So like I mentioned earlier, I decided to get trained in both family and preventive medicine. And, and actually when I was looking to do that, um, I, 
wanted to to find a training program where I could get both together, and I couldn't find one back back then. Um, so when I got into academia, uh, I had an opportunity first at Dartmouth and then second at Loma Linda to, to help start that kind of program. So there's actually a combined program at Dartmouth uh, that that I was involved in. And then the one at Loma Linda is probably the one that I like the most because it's a four-year program. You get double board certified in both uh, family and preventive medicine in four years. And then we built the program to really highlight lifestyle medicine and one of the challenges back then was we didn't have a lot of lifestyle medicine clinical resources we could send people to. In other words, there weren't clinics out there really practicing lifestyle medicine the ways that we wanted to train people to do. Those resources are becoming more and more available now. And of course, that's what I'm doing now is, is trying to develop even more of those clinical resources. Uh, right. But yeah, the Loma Linda program is a good program. They, they take four residents a year and, uh, I would highly recommend it for people who are interested in lifestyle medicine. Yes, her and her boyfriend are first-year medical students, so I'm, gonna, I'm working on those too. So sure. I'm, I'm curious about when you say, so it's family medicine, because I'm family medicine trained as well, and preventive medicine with the lifestyle medicine flavor or slant. What about lifestyle medicine makes those two different from, let's say, a different family medicine residency or a preventive medicine residency? What are those doctors training or learning that the others are not well, uh, you know, I, I would say that Loma Linda still doesn't have it, it totally down. And, uh, but I think this kind of thing is coming, uh, where you can say, um, that, that we're actually involved in or, or actually training lifestyle medicine the way it should be trained. So another, another thing that we didn't talk about earlier is I'm, I'm actually chair of the American board of lifestyle medicine. So that the test that you're taking in October is I'm sort of, helping that's uh, mm. putting together that test cool. and one of the things that we're doing in that test is we recognize that we, we hope that a, at some point lifestyle medicine will be recognized as a specialty by the american board of medical specialties and if you're going to be recognized as a specialty um you have to demonstrate uh that there's multiple training programs that train people in your specialty so we we have a very active, in fact, we've approved one program already now uh, that trains people in lifestyle medicine. And over this next year, this this first year of our existence, we've mainly been getting ready for the, for the board exam. But over this next coming year, I suspect that one of our biggest goals will be trying to encourage programs uh, as they develop to, to train people more in lifestyle medicine. And, we have it all actually mapped out how many hours you'll have in, in um, nutrition training and, and uh, physical activity training and all these kinds of things. But to, to get there, um, programs will need, mostly programs will need to have a fellowship on top of, I think the Loma Linda Family and Preventive Medicine Residency could very likely incorporate most of these things into that program. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're a straight family medicine residency, you don't have enough flexibility to really do the lifestyle medicine training uh, that I think you need. But preventive medicine residencies have more flexibility in, in their training. So there may be, I'm actually hopeful that there may be several standalone preventive medicine residencies that would, would just incorporate lifestyle medicine. So you could do a three-year preventive medicine residency, get board certified in preventive medicine, and, and still have the solid lifestyle medicine skill set. Okay. Um, but, uh, 
And when Certainly you, a combined program like Global Linda definitely allows you to do that. So when you say a um, a combined or the skill set, lifestyle medicine skill set. So for example, if someone's listening to this and they don't understand what necessarily lifestyle medicine is, what would you give it as a as a general definition of what lifestyle medicine is? So when I talk about lifestyle medicine, I like to say 80% of healthcare problems in the U.S. right now are related to chronic disease. 80% of chronic disease is related to our lifestyle choices, uh, how we eat, whether we're physically active or not, how we're uh, sleeping and, and managing our stress, what our social connectedness is, those kinds of things. Uh, so if 80% of chronic disease is related to those choices, then we as healthcare providers ought to be focusing on that first before we go to the medication or, or the procedure or, or whatever else it is that we need to be doing. Hmm. So, so that's sort of how I explain lifestyle medicine to, to people. And so we're the doctors, and, and when I get new patients, uh, this is what I spend time with them doing. We're the doctors that do that focus. We, we, we start off uh, actually looking at how are you eating are you sleeping enough? Are you physically active? Do you have the right social connections that you need? Uh, we talk about both horizontal as well as vertical uh, connectedness in, in our practice. Hmm. Um, and so, so we, we start off there. Uh, most doctors, if someone walks in with diabetes, uh, they'll say, here's your metformin, here's your medication. Uh, if someone walks in with us, we, we spend time getting to know where they're at and we will generally prescribe things like uh, more beans or or whatever it is, you know, the food that we need to prescribe. I just had a patient this morning who had prediabetes. She had high cholesterol. She had fatty liver. She was obese. Uh, we prescribed no medications. We we took her. We we adjusted her diet. And in the visit, I just had a follow up with this morning. You know her her prediabetes was gone now. She was, she was totally normal. She'd lost uh, some weight. Um, her fatty liver was almost completely gone and her cholesterol was almost completely normal. This was, this was just, you know, and to be honest, this was not even with a program. This was just a, a relatively short visit I'd had with her on a pre-op physical. So this was only the second time I'd seen her. Oh, wow. Yeah. Physical had a little conversation. She, she'd come back, and, but she'd also attended some of our classes. So she was, she was interested in things otherwise, but, but the point is, you can you can do that kind of thing again and again and again with lifestyle medicine, and mm -hmm. most doctors aren't offering that. We're saying we, we need to at least offer that. For me, that was the one thing that just was so intriguing: is that I can do more than prescribe pills and have a patient continue to decline. Maybe I might have slowed down the train, but I can actually put that train in reverse, and yeah. it is it is by far the coolest thing I've ever done in medicine. It's just yeah. it's highly addictive as a physician. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So now when you describe a skill set for a physician, what skill sets would you say? Is it like a coaching skill set? Is it nutritional knowledge for a physician who's outside? You know, I've been out of residency for some years now. Where would someone like me, let's say if I was just starting down this track, where, where should we go to be, you know, learn about these things and what skill set should we really be focusing on so we can really be like laser focused? Yeah, so I, I think there is a, a knowledge base that's that's very helpful, and, and that knowledge base is around those those sort of core pillars of nutrition. And nutrition tends to be a huge, huge thing. So, a lot of understanding around nutrition, and and our 
mantra on nutrition is, is whole food, plant-based. And I, I actually think the within the lifestyle medicine world, the whole food piece is not emphasized enough. We, we mm-hmm. tend to, to spend a lot of time on the plant-based piece, which is valuable and important. But, we, but the, I think the whole food piece is actually even more important than the plant-based. Um, so there's, there's knowledge around nutrition, physical activity, stress management, all those kinds of things. Uh, but then, then how do you actually help a patient uh, achieve their health goals? Uh, so, so there's a whole lot of, of behavioral health knowledge uh, and experience that, that's useful there. So um, I, I like to talk about three things. Uh, one is uh, the idea of motivational interviewing. So there's trainings that you can do around motivational interviewing. Another is the idea of, uh, of cognitive behavioral therapy, and there's training that's been around a longer time. There's a there's a lot more with that, but but I think that piece works well in the lifestyle medicine world, and and so uh, having at least some basic understandings of of that. And in, when I talk about it, I I summarize that is making small changes. Uh, so in in my primary care office. A lot of what we're doing is helping people make small changes uh, and understanding cognitive behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy helps them do that. Now, there's also a place for making big changes, uh, and we, we have that in our practice too. But back to the three things, so motivational interview, cognitive behavioral therapy, and then positive psychology is the other thing. So I, I like to really uh, give my people, my, my patients, a a pat on the back and, and make them uh, leave the office happy about what they're doing. I am such a fan of positive psychology. I interviewed Carolyn Adams Miller who wrote the book Getting Grit and Dr. Marty Sullivan. I mean, I'm so love positive psychology. I think it's, it's such a component that we miss, right? We, you know, uh, if I look at my traditional training and how I, you know, well practice was a patient come in and we're focusing on the negative okay well your numbers are wrong your blood pressure is still high but instead entering that appointment with a different focus what went well this last week and it just sets a different tone a different relationship and you know looking at how people thrive so i'm yeah the positive psychology is utterly fascinating to me um but uh you're you're exactly right i think there's i think for me, I think the nutritional component, the knowledge, and the behavioral side, those two together what is kind of what I was drawn to, and that really did help me at least make that transition from traditional family practice to incorporate the lifestyle medicine. So when you, I mean, you've done so much, what has been your most, I'd say, where you've seen that your, your experience has actually promoted this the most? Where do you feel like the energy is really flowing as far as moving this into mainstream medicine and people latching onto it. I mean, where do you see that, that, that navigation going now? Well, when, when, uh, well, so maybe a, a response to that question would be the things that I think lifestyle medicine has done well. First off is lifestyle medicine took the moral ground uh, rather quickly. So it's the right thing to do. And that was fairly easily recognized and fairly uh, fairly well accepted. I think it's it's more and more taking the the scientific ground. So lifestyle medicine has always been evidence based, and more and more uh, we can point to study after study that says you know this is the way we should be practicing. In fact, 
uh, I'm waiting for the first time that someone gets sued for not practicing lifestyle medicine because, uh, uh, yeah, all of us should be doing that. But, uh, so, so I think we've got the moral ground, the scientific ground. I think the challenge for lifestyle medicine right now and the place that I'm obviously working on and, and really we need to keep going is, is the economic ground. So lifestyle medicine, there's a lot of reasons to believe that lifestyle medicine really saves a lot of money, uh, whether you're a corporation and paying for health insurance for your employees or whether you're the federal government or, or whether you're just an individual trying to, to lower your healthcare costs, applying lifestyle medicine ought to work, ought to, ought to help you save dollars. Mm -hmm. But we haven't proven that as well as we could, or I think should. And, and so I think that's, that's, where that's what I'm currently trying to work on. That's, that's where I think the lifestyle medicine movement needs to be going. And, and there's a lot of things going on within the lifestyle medicine movement, trying to, to get that economic ground solidified. But, uh, that's, that's where I, I feel like we're going next from a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, I had an investor that helped me start this, this practice, that kind of money is coming more and more into the lifestyle medicine uh, movement, but uh, need more of it, and, and we need a uh, longer-term, better demonstration project. And, and speaking, it's a great segue into the lifestyle medicine solutions that you're doing now. So you're a, a primary care practice with lifestyle medicine. Can you tell us about your practice? And I will certainly put links for people who are interested in in coming to see you guys. And it's just it's fascinating what you're doing. Right. So so we when we started this practice, we we felt like we needed um, a, a few things to work well for us. The first one was we wanted to be motivated to keep people healthy, not to, to, to treat their illnesses. And we felt like the way to do that was to have a per member per month or a capitated uh, reimbursement system. So we, we, that's our goal is to, to be reimbursed by people uh, on a monthly basis. And then, they'll keep reimbursing us as long as, as they feel like we're helping them stay healthy and they'll stop reimbursing us when, when, if they feel like we're not really helping them anymore. So, so that was one key thing. We also felt like we needed to, to start in areas that were known. So we started as a primary care practice, not as a lifestyle medicine practice because people knew what primary care was uh, and they were happy to reimburse for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and then we, we also felt like, we needed to at least somehow acknowledge how healthcare reimbursement is right now. We don't really, we're not really thrilled with how healthcare reimbursement works right now, but, but we didn't want to totally separate ourselves from that because uh, what we're trying to do is show that anybody can do a lifestyle medicine practice and make money doing that. And if you're going to do that, you, you know, there's, there's people now who write books and who have podcasts and, and they're famous, uh, uh, otherwise, and, and they can get lifestyle medicine to work for themselves, but we wanted the typical person finishing a primary care or, or any residency really to be able to have a lifestyle medicine flavor to their practice and, and actually make money doing it. So anyways, we, we did that, and, and that's what we have now. We have a practice that is, the majority of it is reimbursed per member per month. We do take insurance, and we have ways that we can do a little bit of per member per month, uh, membership kinds of things with, with the insurance. Uh, but, uh, it's a primary care practice that, that is, has very much of a lifestyle medicine flavor. And, uh, I mean, the right lifestyle medicine is the foundation of everything we do here. Um, 
and we're we're uh, in the process of making it work well financially. We we haven't solved all <laughs> the financial wrinkles yet, but uh, we're in the process of it. it. It will come. So you have nutrition, you have massage therapy, cooking classes. I mean, you have so much. Right. We have a nutritionist, we have a health educator, we have uh, all of our medical assistants, our coaches, we have cooking classes, we have uh, group visits, wow. we have uh, movie nights, we have all kinds of things that, that we connect with our community and with our patients on a, on a regular basis. So That is amazing. So now can medical students who are maybe listening to this come and spend time with you guys? We actually don't accept medical students. Ah, yeah, we, we, okay. It's been so much work to, to get us to where we're at. And right. we're just not ready yet. We, we, the first year, a year and a half, we didn't accept any trainees. But uh, now we're accepting residents. Okay. So we accept four residents per year. Uh, so you have to apply and, and then we'll sort of make sure it's a fit. And then, then we'll accept four residents. And then... Eventually, we'll accept medical students, but we, we just have to keep solidifying where, where we're at from a variety of uh, perspectives before we can have regular medical student training. Absolutely. So what advice would you say, because I know you're tight on time and I want to be respectful of that, as far as a patient who has all these chronic diseases and maybe their doctor isn't lifestyle medicine trained and they live in Western Colorado and there is nobody there or West, you know, West Texas where I train. Um, where would you suggest that they turn to get help um, to do this, to get better? Well, so, so there's a variety of, of resources out there and I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with these, but uh, there's plant-based docs. Uh, that's, we, we get a lot of new patients from plant-based docs actually. So, Okay. So, you know, go to plant-based docs and find, find a doc that that's nearby you. If, if someone's plant-based, they're very likely uh, familiar with lifestyle medicine and, and uh, with this movement. Um, so I, I recommend that. I recommend, you know, doing your own reading and, and uh, uh, one of the best places to, to regularly stay up to date on this is nutrition. Facts.org. Uh, .org. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great resource. So I, I think patients can go there, and um, uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. You can you can go there, and, and they have a, on their website. They have people who are members of that, and, and you can look up oh, that by the doc there. Uh, cool. And, and don't give up. You know, I, I think it's easy for people to be discouraged because not every doctor understands the importance of nutrition and other things, but. Uh, Keep, keep pushing your doctor, keep adding things in. And, and if your doctor's not going to shift, then find a doctor that, that is open. There's enough doctors that are open to this kind of stuff and that are willing to learn along with you as, as a patient. Right. That I think even in Western Colorado or, or wherever you're at, you should be able to find somebody. Yeah, it was a patient who, uh, it was just pure circumstance, um, fell into my lap how this happened. And I think, you know, you do, I, I, I agree. Just keep searching for that doctor that will listen to you and is open. Cause I think we forget as patients that doctors are humans too. And we have our own issues that we're dealing with and circumstances sure. and openness at that time in their life. And so, um, but yeah, but don't give up. So, and again, I know you have patients and they want to be respectful of that. So thank you so much. At the end of the podcast, I like to always say, you know, thank you and acknowledge you for all that you've done. I mean, I, I just, 
I touched, like, I feel like we just seen the bit, top of the iceberg of Dr. Dysinger here. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll do another one. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. so I just want to say thank you for all the things that you've done for people like me and patients. And I really appreciate everything and taking time out of your day to spend with us. Well, thank you for doing this, for, for creating this service and for having me on. And yes. like I said, I'd love to uh, continue to interact and, and to uh, happy to participate more down the road if you'd like. Wonderful. I would love it. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. Hold on one sec.